Everyone sit down. We'll, we'll get to sing it again. Brothers, we'll get to sing it again. Uh, you know, this song, it lends itself to, especially in the chorus, which I hope you will never forget this chorus. I hope you will go home tonight singing this chorus. You will wake up singing this chorus. You will speak this chorus uh, to the person that you see first in the mirror in the morning. I hope you will sing this chorus in the shower tomorrow. Uh, uh, especially in the chorus, though. There are some, some, some even the, the tempo, it, it's, it's it, certain words. So, so when you can declare the word, you can declare sing the word. Of course, there's the first one, right? Glorious! Freedom, wonderful, freedom, no more, Amen. no more, no more, these are two key words for the message we're going to have in a little while. Let's practice one more time. No more. So, glorious. Wonderful. Wonderful. No more. No more. Jesus. Jesus. And then, now. Amen. Right? Yes. That's the chorus, right? Yes. Glorious freedom. Yes. We emphasize glorious. glorious. Wonderful freedom. We emphasize wonderful. wonderful. No more. In chains of sin I repine. Jesus, Jesus the glorious emancipator, now and forever, he shall be mine. Oh, yeah, we have to emphasize mine. Okay, so how about we practice this way? Sisters, sisters, you start. You sing verse 1, and then also sing verse, the, the chorus, but the brothers can, can emphasize in the chorus as we go along. Sisters, Amen. please stand up and start singing. Then we'll alternate. Amen. Amen. Amen.
How about we you? Yes, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Last night, Brother Tom asked this question. Why are so many Christians unhappy? Do you remember this? Tonight, I hope to tell you the secret of being a happy Christian. You know, the blessings of the Jubilee, there are three main blessings. The first we saw last night is the return to our possession. It has to do with the land. Were you impressed last night with this view, with this picture of the land? I hope you, I hope, I hope you got a glimpse last night. The land was everything to the children of Israel. To lose the land, for one to lose their portion of the land, was really to lose everything. The second blessing is liberty. That's what we'll touch tonight. Freedom. Because, as was mentioned, due to laziness or whatever reason, some of the children of Israel, after inheriting the land, they lost, they sold it, and then they became that desperate that they had to sell themselves into slavery. What a, what a sad state. What a great fall from the original position and situation God had for them. We'll touch this tonight. And then the third blessing is that one gets to return to their family. And that'll be for tomorrow night. You know, last night our brother shared with us a little bit from the fellowship, from this book that I recommend so highly to all of you. I tell you, I read this book when I was 16 years old. It absolutely revolutionized my Christian life. That is the book, The All-Inclusive Christ. It's amazing. There you see Christ is, is the reality, not only of the land, Christ is the reality of every positive thing. In that book, there's a little fellowship that even the chair you're sitting in is not a real chair. You could be sitting there in the chair anxious about something at home. Have you never sat like that in a meeting? You sat in the meeting anxious about an exam the next day. You didn't, you didn't have enough time. Or you had enough time, but you didn't take the time. You're, you're, you're sitting there, but you're worried about something. There's a situation that's waiting for you as soon as this meeting is over. Then that chair is not your real rest. Christ is the real rest. The, bed that, the beds that we sleep on, sometimes we, we, we lie there, you can't fall asleep, you're tossing, turning. All the things of your life are there, maybe closing in on you. That bed is, that pillow, that's not the real rest. But Christ can be the real rest. Well, I, that, that book, I just recommend to everyone, to everyone. If, you, if you've read it, I recommend, read it again after this week. It may be even more meaningful to you. 
But, the, but we, our, our brother gave us some verses last night. I hope you remember this. Genesis 13, 14. This was a word to Abraham. All the land that you see, I will give to you. You remember that? That he took him to a certain place and told him, look, what? To the, to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. Everything you see, I will give you. Dear brothers and sisters, in the Christian, in the, in the spiritual realm, whatever you see, you get. The beginning of Christian experience is vision. You have to see. And that's why in the morning line on the keys, the first point is from Acts 26, 18, to what? To open their eyes. I hope you would pray even right now, Lord, open my eyes. Tonight, right now, open my eyes. Don't let anything veil me, blind me. But Abraham was charged. Look, look, look at the land. Whatever you see, I will give it to you. Then in Joshua, Joshua 1.3, to Joshua the Lord said, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, not I will give to you, I have given to you. Wherever your soul treads, step on it, it's yours. Doesn't that want to make you step on more and more? If you step on it, you claim it, it's yours. That's the spiritual realm. And then in, in 1 Chronicles 4, this, this uh, prayer of Jabez. Were you touched by this? Do you remember this? Oh, that you would richly bless me and enlarge my borders. I hope that last night, as our brother was sharing, that was a prayer in your heart. Lord, enlarge my borders. My experience of Christ is too narrow, it's too small. You know, when I, was, when I was a teenager, I recall, my experience of Christ was as wide as the meeting hall. I'm in the meeting, I experience. I step out of the meeting, I forget. Have you experienced that? Do your borders reach your home? Do your borders reach your relationship with your mom and dad? Do the borders of your land reach your school and your relationship with your friends? Or do you step out of the land to interact with your peers? This dangerous territory. Lord, enlarge my borders. Enlarge my experience, my realm of the experience of Christ. And this prayer is amazing. Oh, that you would richly bless me. Would you dare to pray such a prayer? Lord, not only bless me, I'm asking you to richly bless me. Shall we pray that together? Oh, that you would richly bless me. Yeah, you put a Lord in there. Some of you, when you prayed it, it doesn't appear there, but let's put that in. Oh, Lord, that you would richly bless me. How about that? Let's pray like that. Oh, Lord, 
bless me. And enlarge my borders. I think one of, did one of the brothers share on Bartimaeus these days? Was that here? Blind Bartimaeus? Sorry, we're in many meetings and conferences. We forget sometimes. You know Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus? The Lord was walking through Jericho. He started calling out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. They told him, shh, shh, shh. He, he's, he got louder. Son of David, have mercy. And Jesus stopped the whole procession. He said, call him. And they said, he's calling you. You know what he did? He, was, he must have been sitting, it seems like, and, and with some covering. It says he threw off his garment, and then he went to Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? What do you want me to do for you? Maybe the Lord is asking you this question tonight. What do you want me to do for you? Not me. Jesus. Imagine Jesus asking you, what do you want me to do for you? What is your answer tonight? What do you want? I hope you would tell him, Lord, I just want one thing. I want more of you. But not just here. And not just this week. And not just in meetings. But in my daily living. Wherever I walk, I want you. Is that possible? I'm telling you, that's possible. Is that possible, Lord? Could you bring somebody like me into an experience like that? I think he would say, uh, sure. <laughs> Just need a little cooperation. Let's do it. Let's go. It is possible, dear brothers and sisters. You know, dear saints, you could say that the entire uh, Old Testament is a story of this land. And, and uh, the brothers have shared with us previously that in 1 Corinthians 10, I think verse 11, it tells us that everything that occurred to Israel, everything with the children of Israel was a type of us. So whatever happened to them is just a type of the New Testament church, of the New Testament believers. And the whole Old Testament is really a story of a fight over land. Even from the beginning, from the first page of the Bible, you know the situation starts, God, of course God created the heavens and the earth, and then something happened there, and the whole land, the whole earth is underwater. There's no earth, there's no land. Did you realize that in Genesis 1? After God created the earth, something happened, and then the earth was all underwater. But God did something, God came in to do something, and on what day? The third day. Land appeared. The third day, land appeared. Genesis 1-9. Then eventually, he did many things, but the culmination was to put man on that land. And he gave him a charge. What was that charge? Till the earth and guard. Till and guard. He had only, only this job, to do something related to this land. And then, of course, he was put in front of the tree, but... What did Satan do? Satan came in and did something that the result of which was being expelled from the garden. This is the fight. God wants people on the land. Satan wants people, God's people, off the land. 
or if you're on the land, not to enjoy the land or to possess the land. That's the whole Old Testament. Abraham, God comes in to call Abraham. From where? Ur of the Chaldees, so far away. And he brings him from that place all the way to what he calls the good land, the land of Canaan. But what happens? After he gets there for a little while, Satan comes in, does something, and causes Abraham to leave the land to go where? Some of you know. Egypt. And then he comes, then God brings him back to the land. Then what happens? Satan does it again. He goes to back down to Egypt. Then he comes back to the land, and he stays there. But then his son, who's born in the land, his son goes down to Egypt. Then he comes back. And then he has a son, Jacob. And what happens with Jacob eventually and Joseph and, and all the 12 sons? Back to Egypt. Do you see the trend here? And then through Moses and Joshua, they come. They, they're brought out of Egypt and eventually they enter the land. And through time, through the fighting, they conquer the land. The land is allotted. The land is, is, is apportioned. They, they establish the kingdom. And eventually through David and Solomon, the temple is built. Glory! Do you know for how long? Three chapters. 1 Kings 8, 9, and 10. You know what happens in 1 Kings 11? The same Solomon who built the temple because of, because of, listen, marriage. Idols came in. Because of not handling marriage in a proper way. You know, one of our talks in the morning is on marriage. By not handling marriage in a proper way, by not handling the lust of his flesh in a proper way, idols came in. And through that, you know what happened? The land was polluted, and that gave the enemy a way to be, come in and carry them off. Still, some to Egypt, some north now to Assyria, and the great number back to Babylon, where it all started. It's like it almost erased everything God had done, but God is a God of recovery. And so there was a great recovery through Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah. To what? To come back to the land. And once again, they built the house. Glory came. They established the kingdom. And you know what the result was? Christ came the first time. That's the Old Testament. We just studied the entire Old Testament. <laughs> What's the New Testament? The New Testament, remember, the Old Testament's a type. You know, the Lord, I know this is a college conference, but God teaches people in the kindergarten method. Pictures and captions. <laughs> I have four grandchildren, one newly born, three weeks old. But the, oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but the others are learning, learning how to identify Pictures and letters, the, oh, the older two. I have one almost four, one almost three. They're learning. They're learning words. How? Picture, caption. Picture, letters. Old Testament, 
New Testament. So we just saw the whole Old Testament. What's the New Testament? You know how the New Testament begins? The land appears. Christ, at the end of the Gospels, through resurrection. By the way, on what day? Hmm. You see that? Really, the, all the four Gospels, the culmination is the Lord's resurrection. He came as a man, lived on the earth, died, resurrected. Then he produces the church, and it's glorious. You know for how long? Three chapters. Acts 2, 3, and 4. What happens in Acts 5? The first degradation of the church. By hypocrisy, which is pride, which is uh, uh, wanting to appear to be something that you're not because, because you want to keep an image. Those germs actually are in all of us. And then the rest of the Old Test New Testament, especially the epistles, are what? Showing they were written, they were written because God's people were being taken away from the land. Through philosophy, through religion, through culture, through many things. And, even, and then sinful things included. And the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Philippians, the Colossians. They were all being brought away from Christ, away from the enjoyment of Christ. You know, the book of Colossians was really written with a view of the Old Testament, a view of the land. In Colossians 1, it says, what, uh, we give thanks to the Father, right, who has qualified us for an allotted portion of the saints in the light. And it uses this word, allotted. Allotted. Why? Why did the Holy Spirit inspire Paul to write this way? Not that we got a portion of Christ. But he writes, the allotted portion of the saints. Why? Because this Christ is the fulfillment of that land. And we were all, we were all given Christ as our land. The moment you were saved, you got the land. Actually, dear brothers and sisters, the moment you were saved, you entered into Jubilee. Jubilee is not Jubilee is not something you have to attain to. You need to see. My burden tonight is that you see. We are in the age of Jubilee. None of us tonight are waiting for the 50th year. The 50th year is here. The we sang tonight, the Jubilee has come. But the Jubilee was there in the first century, and they were taken away. And so we continue in Colossians chapter 2. Do you know Colossians 2 verses 6 and 7? It says, it says that we are rooted, rooted in Christ. As therefore you have received the Christ, Jesus the Lord. Walk in him, having been rooted. The Bible says that we should walk in Christ. You know, you, you see the picture? The picture is that Christ is a, is a realm. Christ is a land. So you can walk in Christ not only here, this week, on your ride home, continue to walk in Christ. When you get home, walk in Christ. When you're with your siblings, 
as annoying as they may be, walk in Christ. When you're with your mom, your dad, whoever in your family, you can walk in Christ. Having been rooted. Now, now suddenly we're not walking. Now we're plants. But into what is something rooted? Into earth, into the land. You see the picture? Colossians starts with a picture of the land. But you know what the next verse says, or actually verse 8, right after that. Verse 8 says, beware that no one carry you off as spoil through his philosophy and empty deceit. Dear brothers and sisters, beware. You, you are in the Jubilee. You have your portion of the land. We all have to beware because Satan, all he wants to do is take us away from the land. And then later on, I think it's verse 18, it says, let no one defraud you of your prize. Dear young people, I, I, I hope day by day this week your eyes are being opened to see you have a prize. You have a portion. This is not something you have to work for. Not something you have to attain to. Not something that you have to do work hard to. And then when you're a mature believer, you get into tonight. You can experience more of the jubilee. Tonight, you can just return to your portion. Tonight, you can wake up from all the defrauding. It's not something to attain to. It's something to just hold on to. We need to hold on to our enjoyment of this portion. So in the New Testament, so many of God's children throughout all the ages have been carried away, actually from the first century already. But God is a God of recovery. And we use this word a lot. And brothers and sisters, this is why. We are actually in God's today's recovery. The recovery back to the experience of Christ. Brothers and sisters, dream with me for a moment. Imagine this. Imagine that all of us here would enter into the reality of the Jubilee. Can you dream that? Can you imagine that? That you enter into the reality. That it's not just for a conference, for a weekend. And then that week or two with the conference high as it slowly wears off. Not that. No more. Don't settle for that. But that you would have a living in the Jubilee. Do you believe God can do that in you? Do you believe God can do that in every one of us here? Amen. And then imagine if we go back and we proclaim the Jubilee to hundreds, even thousands of college students on campuses all over this earth. And the Lord brings them. They answer the call. They return to their inheritance. And we all enjoy Christ for the next 10 years, for the next 15 years. 
We build the church together. Don't you think there would be the possibility that we would have the reality that Christ would come back in your generation and that you could be a factor in that? That's what we're doing here, brothers and sisters. Sooner or later, there will be a group of people among God's people who will enter into this reality. I say, why not us? And why not now? I hope we pray for this. Lord, enlarge my border tonight. Lord, bring me back. And maybe tonight we pray corporately, Lord, expose all the defrauding factors. And that's really the burden of our fellowship tonight, to expose the factors that defraud us, the factors that even after we came into the Jubilee, somehow we sold ourselves into some kind of bondage, into some kind of slavery. What are the things that enslave God's people in today's generation? Well, brothers and sisters, just as the beginning of the experience is to see the inheritance, to see the land on the positive side. The beginning of this experience of freedom is actually twofold. First, to see the bondage, to see Satan's schemes. And secondly, secondly, to enter, or no, to see God's saving way. God has a saving way. And that saving way is not your effort. It's merely your cooperation. The brothers in these few days have been emphasizing this matter. Read the Bible. Get into the word. I believe maybe in these last 24 hours the Lord has done something more in in hundreds of us, to have more of a hunger for the Word and to be in the Word these couple of days, whether it's by just reading or by praying or even by memorizing a little bit more than earlier in the week. That's wonderful. The Word is a key in this entire experience. And you know, in God's Word, there's a certain verse, 2 Corinthians 2.11, some of you might be familiar, says that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan for we are not ignorant of his schemes. You know, the Bible is wonderful. The Bible is wonderful. The Bible exposes Satan. The Bible tells us Satan's tactics. You can learn this from the Bible. You can learn this from the Word of God so that you would never be deceived again. Brothers and sisters, I hope many times, many times, you will tell the enemy, no more. No more. You fooled me before. Maybe you fooled me for some time. But now through the revelation in the word, my eyes are opened. No more. That's why, that's why, even in the preaching of the gospel, Satan fights that people would not hear the word of God, would, their eyes would not be opened to see what's revealed 
in the word of God. There is such a verse also in 2 Corinthians. It says the God of this age has blinded the thoughts of the unbelievers. Dear young brothers and sisters, I hope, I hope you would have also this prayer tonight. Lord, is it possible that the God of this age has blinded me? Is it possible, Lord? And if it is possible, Lord, tonight, tonight, take the veils away. Tonight, I want to come out from under his blinding. If you pray this, the Lord will answer such a prayer. So let's, let's expose the enemy's schemes together. And that's what this outline is about. Through this exposing, brothers and sisters, I hope there'll be no more cheating of the enemy, no more, no more being carried, carried off as spoil, and no more def being defrauded of our prize. Let's read Roman 1. In the year of Jubilee, You know, it's interesting that this experience in the Old Testament, some people, they sold themselves to slavery. But you know, probably for the most part, they still lived in Canaan. They still lived in the good land. So they were in the land, but they were slaves there. Later in the chapter, when you read, it says, if you have to sell yourself to your brother, and it talks about you should the, those whom to whom you sell yourself, they shouldn't mistreat you. They should realize still you're the brother. But, but you lose your rights to the land. So it's very possible, brothers and sisters, to be in the land but bound. Have you had this experience? You're in the land. Maybe everyone around you is free, but you're not free. I've experienced that at times. Oh, how our desire is that all of us, all of us would experience the release from the last two words, all bondage. Two, the true human condition after the fall is, of one, of being, uh, is one of being poor, captured, and oppressed. Here we have John 8, 34. John 8, 34 says, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. I believe this morning the fellowship on the uh, session on the keys was on the forgiveness of sins, right? Receiving the forgiveness of sins. I do hope that today, actually, I should, I should, sorry, I'll start over. I'll phrase it this way. I sense that today there was more confessing of sins because in our singing, there was a more spontaneous release of the Spirit. I don't know if you sense that. I know some of the brothers who were sitting had this feeling. There's something tonight is freer, a little lighter. Maybe, maybe 
you experience some freedom today. Dear saints, the first bondage is sin. Let's read a little more, then we'll develop. But I want to impress you with this verse, John 8, 34. He who commits sin is a slave of sin. It's very interesting. This verse, 34, is in between these two verses, 8.32 and 8.36. You know what John 8.32 says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then John 8.36 says, uh, what is it? If, if you know the Son, yes, if therefore the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Are you? Have you been? I tell you, one key is the verse in the middle. He who commits sin is a slave of sin. If we can firstly co confess our sins, and then secondly, be released from the power of sin, you will experience real freedom. A. Oh, I, I, please pay attention to A. This is, this is one that I would kind of circle. I would put stars next to it. I would highlight. Fallen human beings are in bondage under sin, in the self, under the hand of Satan, and under hardships and anxieties. Anxiety. All fallen human beings are captives of sin and slaves of sin. There is a sinning factor, an addiction to sinning within man. We'll come back to this. This factor, this addiction is Satan himself. First Satan captured us, then he came to dwell in us as the inciter, the instigator of our sins. The result is that he has become our illegal master and we have become his captives to the extent that we are unable to do good and can only commit sins. Did you ever decide not to lie anymore? Did you ever decide not to do that? And the that might be different for all 2,800 of us. Is there something in your life you just felt? I wonder if, I wonder if you've gotten to the point where, where you actually, like, got to stop that. Stop it. You tell yourself, stop it. Don't do that. Doesn't work. Because there's a factor within us. There is an addiction to sinning. Thoughts, thoughts. Sometimes you may even tell yourself, I shouldn't, I shouldn't think that. Maybe you saw something, you read something on a movie, on the television, on the internet. It comes back to you. You tell yourself, mm. well, in the meeting, flashbacks. Here, oh Lord, oh Lord. 
Lord, forgive me. And you make a decision, but your decision means nothing. Why? Because there's an addiction to sinning in our being. There's, a, there's something in our being. You know, here in, uh, in point A, fallen human beings are in bondage under sin. We talked a little bit about sin. In the self, the self is a great bondage. Always wanting to be right in a conversation. Always wanting to have the last word. You know, again, we mentioned the marriage fellowship. Oh, I tell you, the biggest problem in marriages, 50% or more divorce rate in this country, how sad, is this point here, a bondage of self. You know you're destroying your marriage, but you can't, you can't not be right. Under the hand of Satan. Then we have this verse, Luke 13, 16. Oh, this is an interesting story. Are you familiar with this? This is the woman who for 18 years, I thought that was very meaningful today in a college conference. 18 years. How many of you are 18 years old? Raise your hand, please, if you're 18. Okay. You know, it's possible you've been under some bondage for 18 years. And those that are 19, 20, 21, yeah, it's possible you too. You know, this story, bent double. This woman is bent double. She went into a synagogue, and, very interesting, on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath. But she was not at peace. She was not resting. Why? Because she had this infirmity. You know what is bent double? Let me illustrate for you. Here. Bent double. Imagine for 18 years. We encourage her. Stand up. Look at the land. She says, I, I, I want to. All the land I see is right here. You know what that symbolizes? Someone under, the, later the Lord, you know, the, the Lord gets in trouble for healing her. He actually comes to her and he just says, woman, this is all he says. Woman, you're released from your infirmity. You're released. And she, you know what it, sa what it says? And he laid his hand on her, and instantly she was made erect and began to glorify God. The ruler of the synagogue became indignant. How dare you release this woman on the Sabbath? He was more bound than the woman. He was bound by religion. She really experienced jubilee. She really experienced Sabbath. How? Did she do anything? No. She just, the Lord said, you're released. She said, okay. <laughs> Glory to God. That's jubilee. You don't have to do anything. Just take God's word. Just say, okay. And stand. 
But I tell you, some people are bound. You know, when you're like this, your whole universe is either yourself or the earth. Many people are like this. Many people in your generation, actually in every generation, are like this. They only see the things of the earth. Some events happen, they get all, oh, we have to do something about this. We, what an injustice. But yeah, yeah, we have to do something about this. <laughs> so, this is terrible. <laughs> well, maybe it is terrible. And I'm not saying we don't, you know, have a heart for, to correct social injustices. But if that's your whole world, I tell you, you're bound. You're not looking at anything eternal. Lift up your eyes. If you want to care for the things around us, serve humanity. Better humanity. That's great. But can you do it without being bound by Satan? Because Satan even uses causes, proper causes, and improper causes to bind people. That's, that's their whole universe. That's everything to them. They get so stirred up. Oh, that we could have that same zeal to proclaim jubilee. Why don't we have more of that zeal to be concerned for the eternal destiny of our classmates, our friends, our relatives? You know, hymn 311, we sang this hymn, has lists many binding factors. Freedom from all the carnal affections. You know what that means? That's the lust of the flesh. Are you free? I must say, I rather doubt. All of advertising and everything in the media and nearly, I wouldn't say all, but so many movies, shows, they are designed to stir up our lust. And it's very possible, it's very possible, this I can say in this generation, it's very possible you have become numb to this. When you see things now, it, it, there's not like, uh-oh. Because it's in everything. That's not healthy. That kind of generation will not bring the Lord back. But the enemy uses all these things. The, the internet. You know, it's possible to have an addiction to the internet. Of course, you know, there are other things... Terrible things that have been around for so long. Alcohol. Drugs. And there's no doubt that some of us here, and I would say including myself, our, some of our families, we had to go through things where we saw alcohol tear at the fiber of our families. We suffered through that. And drug addiction. But today, the enemy uses things that are much more subtle. 
and in the internet. And you know, the internet is a tool. You can use it, but so can the enemy. Even just, even just gaming. We have, we, I, I, know, I know actually now dozens of cases of brothers, high school and college age, bound, addicted to the, to the interactive games where they spend the whole night. You just can't get away. Forget about talking about the Jubilee. You cannot, if you are addicted to that, you cannot have a proper human life. You surely cannot have a proper relationship. You surely cannot have a proper marriage. You cannot have a proper work life and maintain that kind of living. And I've seen people fired from their jobs because of that addiction. It's a binding of Satan. Is it sinful? Probably not. Some of those things, maybe they are. But it's still a binding, a holding of Satan. It's not just sin. The world that's, that Satan has developed is everywhere. But maybe even things not so obvious. Just, just keeping up on social media. Just that. Your Instagram and Twitter and do college students still use Facebook? I, I heard that's a kind of other generation now. But anyway, just, just this. You know, later, later here it says, uh, oh, the next line, freedom from envy, hatred, and strife. Freedom from envy. You know, I do know, I have heard of a couple of cases of sisters, dear sisters, young sisters, now at home with children, Facebook, a picture, someone else, family, oh, so happy. Another one, oh, so happy. And a kind of feeling comes. You know what it is? Envy. Envy, because, because your marriage is not that happy. But there's a kind of uh, uh, something there that drives you. I got to put up something to show how happy we are. It's a lie, but I got to keep up. That's a bondage. Even that, we need jubilee. So be careful as you're posting things, pictures, Instagram, as you're tweeting out things. Be careful. This is not out of a bondage, out of an addiction. I'm not here preaching against anything except Satan's kingdom. I'm not, please don't misunderstand, and I think you would not misunderstand. All the, most of these things are all neutral. They can be used. I think you use for your Christian, for the Christians on campus clubs, you use Instagram and, and, and Twitter accounts and Facebook. It can be used, but be careful. Don't be deceived. Satan's hand is everywhere and can use any, nearly anything. 
but there are some things that are insidious. And I, I hate even to say this in such a holy congregation, but I feel compelled that even through the internet, addiction to pornography is a big binding. To be caught by that, and then the next day to go to your Bible study. No wonder there's no joy. Even you confess, you're still captured. So you need to, yes, you need to confess, and the Lord forgives you. But you need freedom. You need release. And God provides it. In verse 4 it says, freedom from fear with all of its torments. Freedom from care with all of its pain. You know, fear or anxiety. Oh my. This world is driven by anxiety. You know, as Brother Tom alluded to last night, there are studies about every generation and so on, and so, sorry, we've been studying you. It's our job. We want to be able to minister Christ to you. But if we don't know what's binding you, how can we help you where you're at? So we're trying. But there, you know, this, this, uh, like I said, some studies concerning depression, rampant, suicides. You know, there are certain, even certain universities that have a reputation for higher suicide rates. And we sympathize with the pressures that we all pass through. We all pass through pressures. You can't avoid that. In human life, you'll pass through pressures. You know, there's a verse in Luke 21, uh, 36. Let's see if I get it for you. It talks about being careful not to be weighed down with the anxieties of life. 21.34 reads, but take heed to yourselves, lest perhaps your hearts be weighed down with debauchery. It's not just anxiety. But you could be weighed down by a lot of things, bound by a lot of things. Debauchery and drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day come upon you suddenly as a snare. That means that you're so weighed down, you're, you end up like that bent double woman and you don't, you're not ready for the Lord's coming. Dear brothers and sisters, we want you to be free, to learn how to be free from all those pressures. From, that, from the weight. The situations can be there, but without the weight of it. There is a secret. We're getting to that in the outline. Another binding factor 
is relationships. People. You know, we have to be honest with you that along the way, the Christian journey, we talk about gaining Christ. We'll gain Christ more and more. But in all honesty, along the way, and honesty, along the way, there will be losses. And there will be some dealings of things and even relationships that will be led by the Lord to sever for the Lord's sake. Even as a teenager, 14 years old, the Lord brought me through a crisis where I realized I had to break off certain relationships to go on with him. It wasn't easy. Not, when I look back now, I might say that wasn't too hard, but when I was 14, that was the biggest thing I ever went through in my life. And sometimes, young people, you have to be honest before the Lord. Is the Lord touching you concerning any certain relationship? You know, you know that that relationship is not strengthening you in your pursuit of Christ. The Lord may lead you. The, more, the Lord may release you. Let's go to point three. In the Jubilee, we obtain freedom and are released from the bondage of slavery. The first verse there is Luke 4, you know, Luke 4. This is the Lord's proclamation of the Jubilee. Please remember, brothers and sisters, that that day, these are the verses our brother read last night, says this, uh, that's, that's the Lord speaking on the Sabbath day. He opened in the scroll to Isaiah 61. And he read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to announce the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to send away in release those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. And then two verses later it says, and he began to say to them, today the scripture, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. From that moment, the Jubilee was here. I hope tonight your eyes really could be opened that you are in the Jubilee. A, as believers, we obtain freedom in Christ from the power of sin. Oh, dear saints, we just, we, confession saves us from the result of sin. That is, we, conf we sin and we confess our sins, and yes, the Lord washes it away, and we do sense a lightening of the weight. 
and we need more confession. Actually, I wonder, I was thinking concerning you all this afternoon as I was before the Lord and preparing. Many of you are saved for several years. A freshman now, 17 or 18, maybe if you got saved when you were 10, 11, or 12, that's more than five or six years. I know some of you probably got saved within the last year or two. But are, are there unconfessed sins still there, weighing on your conscience? How has your relationship been with authority, with your parents? The things that you said and the things that you didn't say. You know, my father, I lost my dad uh, less than a year ago, uh, August 24th of last year. Uh, nothing to be too sad about. He was 99. He was 99. And uh, all his life, a strong man. He was a carpenter. Strong man. And uh, as I was growing up as a teenager, do you know that in my entire life, I never mouthed off at him one time? Never. I was too afraid. <laughs> one smack, I would have ended up. <laughs> I didn't, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a living of being afraid of him like that. You know what I mean? I mean, he loved me, and, you know, we had a great relationship. But I, I just, I knew when to shut up. And I knew I better listen to him. And I, actually, in my whole life, I only went against him what he wanted one time. And that was later in, in life, and it was for the Lord's sake. I could not, I could not, uh, I was trying to honor him, but I couldn't obey what he wanted me to do. He got very upset with me. But then he got saved. Amen. Amen. He got saved at 69. Yeah. And the Lord gave him 30 extra years. Yeah. But you know, in those years growing up, I have to confess, I never said, talk back to him. But I can't say I never cursed him in my heart. So there was a certain time the Lord sh shined his light on me. I said, Lord, all those times, cleanse me, cleanse me, forgive me, even in my heart. About your experience. Have you confessed? Or is there still maybe even a mountain of sin? Not confessed yet. The blood, the blood can release us from our sins. I hope you would have further, deeper experience of this. And even with this mountain of sin there, you probably have enjoyed something this week. Imagine. Imagine the experience of having a totally clear conscience. I think you'll float to the meetings. The heat won't bother you. The rain won't bother you. Whatever it is. There's real release in our conscience. And the conscience, our conscience is 
the leading function of our spirit. So when you confess your sins, you get into the spirit, and then you are freed from the power of sin, in which is the law of the spirit of life. And that's the remainder of this outline here. So confess. Yes, confess. But realize, realize that even more than confessing your sins, you need to tell, Lord, I want to know the release from the power of sin. From the self, the flesh, the old man, from the law, from Satan, and from the world, from anxiety and all kinds of troubles. Brothers and sisters, we cannot avoid, we cannot avoid troubles in life. The verses here, oh no, it's not here. I would like to add some verses here. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. I believe our brother read these last night also. But I want to emphasize this about learning the secret. Not that I speak according to lack, for I have learned in whatever circumstances I am to be content. I know also how to be abased, and I know how to abound in everything. And in all things I have learned the secret, both to be filled and to hunger, both to abound and to lack. I am able to do all things in him who empowers me. Brothers and sisters, one bondage is a great bondage is not being content with our circumstances. And that generates a lot of anxiety and a lot of planning, a lot of scheming, a lot of something. Oh, that we could be at rest and content in Christ in our circumstances. That is a real freedom. And that, being content, is powerful. I believe our brother's testimony on the first night. Sorry, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to uh, what Brother Craig told us. The experience you had where that person asked you, why are you so at peace? Yeah, that, that experience. This question. Why are you so at peace? That's, that's a powerful message to people. And you can have that. That's not something that you need to attain to one day. You can have that experience. It's expressed and people see that because they don't have that. And they want that. And they don't realize that that, that they want is Christ. The way of deliverance from sin and the secret of victory is the law of the spirit of life. You know, we have this, uh, these verses in Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. This is really the gospel. There is now then no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, this is part of the answer to the question, why so many Christians are not happy. Why? Because we're trying too hard in ourselves to be released from sin and all the bondages. And you can't. 
because the law of sin is too strong. And so we end up condemned. It's very interesting. The ones who are seeking the Lord the most probably end up most condemned. The ones who are not seeking, well, their conscience is not so sensitive, so they can do nearly anything. And their conscience doesn't bother them. But the seeking ones are the ones that are condemned more often. We need to, be, we need to know the truth so the truth can set us free. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And then listen to this. For the law of the spirit of life has freed me in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and of death. Did, did you note the tense? The law of the spirit of life has freed me. Are you free? <laughs> Are you free? You have to say amen. amen. When you say amen, you're free. Amen. Because when you say amen, you exercise your spirit of faith. When I ask you if you're free, don't think about your history. Don't even think about your experience. Are you free? Amen. When you say amen, you change realms. Oh, I'm so condemned. Oh, I'm so bad. Oh, that mountain of sin you were just talking about. Sorry. Got you all condemned. Are you free? Yeah. You're in a new realm. In this realm. You're free. Yeah. Now in this realm, the Lord might shine. Go apologize to dad. So apologize to dad, but stay in this realm. And then here, you will be free from the power of sin, spontaneously and automatically. I think most of us have heard this kind of analogy. It's like a, like a law of gravity. Law of gravity, you have something hundred times. If I drop this a hundred times, it'll just do that. Straight down, straight down. Because in this realm, there's a law. If you try in yourself to be a better Christian, hundred times, hundred times. It's just a question of how long and how far you'll fall. But in the spirit, in Christ Jesus, you're already free. When temptations come, point one, we repeatedly try to resist them only to end up in another defeat. This is because sin is a law. Brothers and sisters, to realize this point can change your Christian life. Sin is a law. And laws work in certain realms. When I am not in the spirit, I will sin. No matter how hard I try. But if I just, amen, you don't only have to say amen. Oh, Lord Jesus works too. Oh, but you don't even have to finish the oh. Oh, 
Lord Jesus. And you're in another realm. In this realm, you're already free. It is impossible for man to try to overcome the law of sin by his will. Victory has nothing to do with our effort. God has given us another law, the law of the spirit of life, which spontaneously frees us from the law of sin and of death. Let's read number four together. Oh, that the Lord would open our eyes to see this treasure. You might think, oh, it says Christ is the treasure, right, in the earthen vessels. That's 2 Corinthians. No, this is true. But this Christ has been processed not only to become the spirit, but become the law of the spirit of life. We go on. We can cooperate with the inner operating law of the spirit of life by exercising our spirit to switch on this law so that we can enjoy Christ as the freedom of the jubilee. While we remain in touch with the Lord, staying in contact with him, the law of the spirit of life works automatically, spontaneously, and effortlessly. Can we say those, that, those three words together? Automatically. We must cooperate with the indwelling, inner, operating God. These are the ways, some ways, by prayer and by having a spirit of dependence, calling upon the Lord to maintain our fellowship with him. We should converse with the Lord in everything, consult him related to every problem we encounter and bring every matter to him. Brothers and sisters, I'd like to tell you to experience the Jubilee is this simple. It really is this simple. All the Lord needs is our cooperation. Just speak with him. Just speak with him. And it's not only in the meetings. Yes, in the meetings, take advantage of this atmosphere to call out. And it's good, even in our morning fellowship, to have a place that we can go somewhere and call out. You know, actually, when we fellowship with the saints concerning a time with the Lord, it's good to have a place where you can call out. It's also good to have a place where you can cry if you need to. Just to be so free. But in our daily living, when you're going from here to there, when you're in your car, when you're walking on campus, when you're at your workplace, you can talk to him all day long. Just bring everything to him. It matters to him concerning you. There's nothing too small. Don't think, oh, God is running his economy. Why would I ask him, Coke or Pepsi? He'll say, neither. <laughs> well, I don't know if he'll tell you, but this week he's been telling me, no, no, no. 
You know, you go to those machines, it's all there. <gasps> and then there's iced tea. So I got my raspberry iced tea. Amen. I drank that in the Jubilee. Amen. Converse about everything. I even, I even enjoyed an ice cream, oh, vanilla ice cream cone this week. I think it was in the Jubilee. I don't know. Oh, everything. There's nothing too small. Brothers and sisters, I tell you, I learned this lesson of having a walk and talk with the Lord when I was 12 years old. Uh, uh, no one told me. I, the Lord just shepherded me. I, got, I had an experience of consecration with the Lord. I got baptized when I was 12. Six months later, I had my first dynamic experience of consecration. And these two things just guided me. When I got baptized, my sister gave me a new Bible. I treasured that Bible, even till today. It's there in my study. I don't, I don't use it outside of study because it's kind of, uh, you know, worn. But I just got a love, a love of the Word of God. And I would just read, I would just read. And like our brother said last night, maybe it takes six times to really start understanding. But I tell you, there were verses here and there that were little nuggets that just met me, just met me as a 12-year-old boy, 13-year-old boy. It was exactly what I needed. And then I, I felt like God was at my fingertips. I couldn't believe it, that God would be what, me. Nothing special. There were times, I remember one thing, talk about being carried off as spoiled. I remember there was one, something very clear, and I didn't mention this earlier, sports. I love sports, baseball especially, basketball. And the Lord, as a 13-year-old, shined on me. You're, you're, you love that ball more than me. I said, no, I don't. And he said, but you do. I said, then, Lord, I don't, I don't want it. The Lord took me through things like that. But it was just because I loved the word and I learned to talk to him about everything. It really is that simple. And you can have that too. Anytime, starting tonight. Let's read the last three points. We must walk according to the spirit together. Live in the spirit. One, instead of living according to Christ as the spirit in our spirit, we may live according to the laws of social ethics, biblical ethical principles, or self-made laws. We must walk according to the Spirit, not according to religion, doctrine, or any opinion. Then we will fulfill the Amen. How about we have some prayer with some around us, and I think the brothers will guide us as to the sharing. Amen.